Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're welcoming Samora Smallwood, a woman of many, many talents, and I hope to at least scratch the surface of those talents today. Let's get started. On mic today, we have Samora Smallwood. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I am so glad you are here. I am really excited about getting to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I mean, I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt. My audience is going to know you from your appearances on Discovery. Yes. I saw, I, I looked into what you've done and I'm like, wow, this is a person who really is a huge, you get what this show is about, even though um, you haven't been on before, because even though you're, you've been on Trek, I'm seeing you have your own projects going and you dedicate a lot of your site to just getting people to be creative. You're trying to inspire. And I love that. Thank you. That's so sweet. It is really, really, really important, right? It is. It is. And, and people often don't get to, you have to help each other along. We have to give people that inspiration that maybe we're a little lacking in ourselves sometimes. Oh my gosh, totally. I was just talking about this yesterday, actually, with one of my friends who's also an actor. Um, she played a trill on one of the short tracks, too. And uh, we were talking about how sometimes you're the person who is the one inspiring and you're the one who is the inspiration. But then also sometimes there's that person up ahead of you who's inspiring you and helping you along and pulling you along. And then my belief is that you have kind of a responsibility if you are lucky enough to be in that position to inspire, to look back and see who you can bring, who you can inspire, who you can pull with you. And then there's a chain of like cool purpose-driven people. So that's the vibe. <laughs> yes. And um, as fans, we often talk about gatekeeping, which is where you try to say somebody else can't be a fan if they don't meet your standard. And they don't realize that happens on the other side of the screen too. There are talent, not going to use names, who will say, you're never going to be as good as me because I did this and you can't. And it's so refreshing to me to have somebody say, no, you can do this and I want you to do it and I believe in you. Oh yeah, big time. That's one of the craziest parts I think is that once I started realizing it's all about perception and that when you, of course, I'm a big believer in, if anyone here follows me on any of the social platforms, um, I'm a big believer in manifesting your shit um, mm -hmm. and making your reality kind of um, how you envision it and a big dream for yourself. And a part of that, of course, is putting in the work, but it is kind of removing that barrier of realizing that the people that you're holding up on a platform are also people. And whatever steps they took to get there, of course, understanding privilege and how that kind of plays into access and all of that, that's a big part of my passion as well. But knowing that you do have the ability to do everything you see other people doing and just finding that recipe for how you create that in your life is your job. So I do really, 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 really believe that and don't believe at all or prescribe at all to the idea that there are some people over here who are cool and who get to do things. And then there's people over here who don't. I don't like that at all. And to your comment about the people that do prescribe to that or kind of perpetuate it, I don't have time for that at all. No. And the world will find its way to give you so many obstacles and put so many things in your own path. Don't do that to yourself on top of that. Oh my gosh, 100%. It's right <laughs> in my lane talking about my stuff right now. Yes, because sometimes the biggest sabotage is you. Sometimes I will see uh, in the past just how maybe that, that fear, that limited mindset or any of that stuff is your own obstacle. So I'm so glad that you brought that up and that you believe it too. Because yeah, once you get over that, it's much easier because you start to treat yourself 
the way that you treat all the people in your life that you love and admire. And you're like, okay, this feels really good. And then I do think that you attract other people who treat you that way. And everything that makes you feel bad or makes you feel small starts to fall away because now you have a daily standard for how, how feeling good is. Yes, exactly. And I said, I saw, I saw you on track. It's like, oh, I want to talk to this person. And then I saw that you're working on your own projects. Like, I really want to talk to this person. <laughs> then I read the manifesto shit. And it's like, hey, please, please come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like the world gives us a lot of possibilities. We have the tools at our disposal, but so many people are just caught in the idea that we can't do this because reasons I just made up five minutes ago. 100%. And not just reasons that you might have made up uh, five minutes ago, but it's exciting because the world is changing more and more, um, especially when you come to creating your own projects or, or writing or whatever it is that you want to do. Say it's in this industry, the entertainment industry. It's blown up so much. You don't just have network TV and a few TV shows that can get greenlit. We have so many great streamers. We have different platforms for creating content and, and watching stuff. So for me, it's kind of a little bit more diplomatic because you don't have to watch what you're told to. So before we all kind of had the shows that we would watch because that was just what was out there and that was the voice. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing all these different emerging voices and emerging perspectives, subcultures and niche perspectives that it's so exciting because there's more places. So what I'm really looking forward to is seeing... Um, to go back to kind of the idea of gatekeepers in the industry, you can feel like there are and the status quo is upheld by that little group of people. Now, what's exciting is you get to see more inclusion and more diverse storylines across all of the entertainment we consume because there's more room. And I think people and us as a culture are saying, you know, I vote with my eyes. I vote with my viewership. I vote with my, my following. And that actually has power. So that's really exciting about the time that we're in right now. It is. And that's why I get really confused when I see people you know, calling themselves fans who are saying, I object to the way they made this, or I'm not going to watch that. It's like, okay, don't, please. It's okay. There has to be something out there for you, no matter what your niche is, no matter what your tastes are, somebody has to be filling that. Mm -hmm. Just look for it. I know it is very stressful because sometimes you get on Twitter or you're online and people are tearing apart the creative vision. And, you know, sometimes things are legitimately bad, but like you said, you don't have to watch them. And mm -hmm. there is something to be said for really enthusiastic fans who want to talk about different TV shows, character storylines, the writing. Um, I was on Clubhouse the other night and moderating a room talking about Lovecraft Country. And it's exciting to to talk about the storylines and, and what the what larger cultural themes or meaning is being discussed. Those are conversations I love to have. When it comes to tearing down what people are doing or trash talking or really being negative, that's not my vibe, but I do love to hear the fans' opinions on how things are going, characters, story, that can be fun. Yeah, and I you have a great point that things can legitimately be bad. And that is just an unfortunate byproduct of making things that are legitimately good you're not going to have just one or the other. So you just accept that. I mean, you can find people hold, let's say next gen on a very high pedestal. Are you telling me there weren't bad episodes of that show? Mm -hmm. There were. Okay. <laughs> we, we just move on. There's so much more to talk about. Right. And it's all relative what bad is. And when there's something that's so good, like you said, and you're, uh, you're comparing it. And that's the larger conversation too, is comparison is a really, really, really tricky. I feel like mm -hmm. when I get into that part of the day, if I'm comparing myself 
to anything, anyone, that's a bad zone. So I try and mm -hmm. really avoid that as much as possible. Each yeah. show offers a different, a different thing. Each season is trying to accomplish something different. And if you're always playing it safe or pandering to what people already like, then there's not as much room for creativity. When you were talking earlier about the stuff I'm creating on my own, I have a limited series that I'm working on now um, that's in development. And that's the constant struggle is when you're creating storylines and, and thinking of how what you might dare to do there is definitely that grinding of oh well we've never seen that before and then you have to just check yourself and be like well that might be the exciting part about it because it's coming from a truthful place everything that i'm trying to create with the show is something that happened to me someone i know a really truthful part of a subversive subculture that no one's seen um, but yes, there is that when you're creating the, the kind of pull to be like, well, maybe we should just put in something that we know people like. And of course, there, there's a formula to doing um, the structure of a show, but I'm really excited about watching stuff that is um, different that you've never seen. There's a really great show on Netflix, uh, Lupin, and it's kind of like the Black Bond in France. It's a really good show and it's very different. So that's exciting to, uh, to see. So when you're talking about making your own, are you talking about Gone? Okay. Love you so much, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> sure thing. Um, I feel uncomfortable asking specifics because when it's a work in progress, I realize there are things that you just don't want to get out there. But I would like to know anything you do want to share. Hmm. What do I want to share? Okay. Um, I'm a big lover of crime thrillers and noir. And I'm very interested in the way our world has become sort of apathetic to the plight of um, violence against women. And how does that manifest in our world? And the women that have gone missing and um, that we just don't hear from anymore, where have they gone? So that's kind of where the title came from and this fascination that I had with, um, and not to get too heavy, um, mm -hmm. the idea of the people that are important in society and the people that aren't. Mm -hmm who does the justice system want to look for if they go missing and who does the media follow if they go missing and who are the people that just we do not hear about and then who's perpetrating that and the larger structure of uh sex trafficking but at the at the core of it gone will be a story of one woman who's trying to find herself um fix her family and heal all the wounds from her own tragic past from losing her own sister so it's mm -hmm. exciting if it's got uh, trafficking as a background theme and you say she's finding herself you're, you're talking about finding herself within not necessarily finding herself geographically yes finding okay. herself within and her place in the world because anyone uh, who's listening uh, or watching knows that sometimes you have a tragic event in your life or what you perceive to be a big mistake and the scar tissue that grows around that really shapes who you are as a person so that's very interesting to me because every time I'm a very curious person, I love people. So you meet people and the more you actually listen when people are talking and see how they move in the world, um, I, you start to see how a lot of the, the touchstones and big events in people's lives have really shaped who they are. So that's what I'm very interested in and what we're going to explore with the protagonist in the story is this monumental event in her life that tore her whole family apart. And then we meet her years later and she's pressed up against a corner and realizes that maybe this larger thing that's happening in society might be what happened to my sister. And she becomes kind of obsessive. I'm really uh, interested in the unreliable narrator too, that the lead character that you don't know if you can trust. Um, we've seen that a lot. You see the transformation of a character like Walter White, and that's really exciting to see mm -hmm. um, Amy Dunn in Gone Girl. 
stuff like that, where the audience is always wondering who to root for, because like we were talking about earlier, that's the most exciting content to me. I love watching something that makes me think, and I don't know who the clear good guy or bad guy is. So. And that's, it's become, I think the audience has gotten a little more sophisticated over the last decade or so in that we almost look for a reason to, to sympathize with the villain or tear down the hero just because it's become interesting. 100%, so much. Like I was just, uh, I did a workshop with um, some creatives from Netflix about creating your own show and um, seeing how they, they, the industry kind of started that in a to with Tony Soprano and how different that was at the time. And now, like you're saying, we've gotten so used to that as audiences that we look for it, we expect it, but that was so subversive at the time. So I'm really interested in doing that with female characters mm -hmm. too, giving them a little bit more um, leeway to be able to do bad things and have a twisted moral compass and, and do whatever it takes to accomplish their goal. So that's um, what's really exciting. And I went to university, I was born in Newfoundland, but I went to university uh, in Windsor in the Windsor Detroit border. That's a big part of the story. Um, because I think that when you look at drugs, sex trafficking, race, identity, and all of that, there's a lot that people don't know. We see it um, for lack of a better way, black and white, but there's a lot of gray, brown, yellow in between there. And mm -hmm. that's what I want to look at. That's going to be the fun. Sure. Part. I get, like you said, not to take it too far down, but I just feel like I should throw out one example. I live on the I-35 corridor throughout the Midwestern U.S., which is basically a giant road that goes from Canada to Mexico. And it is a huge highway for trafficking. To the extent that you know how, let's say you're downtown and somebody runs up to you and grabs your purse and runs off. You call the police, you file a report, and they're going to say, we'll file the papers, but you're never seeing that purse again. Mm. That is exactly what happens when you a child goes missing around here. It's like, well, we'll file the papers, but the kid's gone. And I'm, I, to me, as the parent of a child, I'm like, how can this be the expectation? And I can't begin to talk about how, the, how we got to this point, but please, let, let's get this story out there. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Aaron, I'm so glad that we're talking because there's so many parallels and similarities. What you just said was the um, basically the catalyst for the series. I had just moved here to Toronto. I was in an acting class, but I had no friends. And I was in that place. Now we see so many popular examples, Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Issa Rae, Awkward Black Girl, of um, Childish Gambino creating Atlanta. We see a lot of examples of actors becoming creators, but back then it wasn't as popular, but I was watching a documentary um, very curious about people. And there was, it was about children who had gone missing. And it was that idea of these families who were trying to reconcile what they were hearing, um, from law enforcement that, you know, we will investigate, but you're probably not going to see that child again. And the more that I looked at it, I, I saw that if people had a certain status in society, or if they were the right kind of parents or had money, then that, that, uh, equated to how much care the, the police put into it. Mm -hmm. And it really upset me to see that a lot of more children go missing than you think. So our protagonist, uh, when her sister was kidnapped, they were quite young and she was there when it happened. So she's got all this blame about it. And she just cannot understand how someone just goes missing. They're gone. And that's the whole premise of the story. So it's not just that linear story of the one character. The, the story opens up into kind of a spider web of seeing how many people are affected by that and, and connected through the idea of someone who's gone.
yeah and and like i said i i lived here and didn't realize that until it was pointed out to me and i have to wonder at just just how much it is going on behind the scenes that you don't know until it's too late mm. very 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 interesting and it's like a lot in our world everyone's opening their eyes and looking around and seeing that there's a lot going on that maybe we didn't know. So for the curious people, there's so much to learn right now. So I, I mm -hmm. think that that's been one thing I've really held on to over the course of being in lockdown and during pandemic is that not just watching TV, but reading uh, documentaries, you have more time. I remember when the um, Epstein trial came out and they arrested Elaine Maxwell, they released the deposition and it was hundreds of pages. I was like, oh, I got the time, I'll read it. And you know, it's exciting to have that time. So that's what I've been trying to do is not get too sad about uh, being in lockdown and find interesting ways to do stuff that you wouldn't normally have time to do. I have a creative friend that I check in with frequently and I told him about, you know, what's going on behind the scenes at the podcast and, and what the projects I'm working on. And I said to him, it's very frustrating because the things I want to do to get this out there, I can't do because this person's not in business and that event is not happening. And everything that I would normally do, I can't. But there's an opportunity right now I will never get again. And for me to let that go, to not do the things I can do because I have to be here, because I have the extra time, because you know the people are willing to talk to me like you're talking to me right now. If you were in active production, you may not have the opportunity to do this. And I have to grab that while I can. Yes. Well, Toronto right now, there's tons of shooting. I just wrapped on Goodwitch, a show. Um, so I would still make the time. People are still making the time. But what you're noticing, I think, too, is that opportunity to talk to more people and have a more honest conversations and talk about things that maybe you wouldn't normally feel comfortable to talk about because we've all been at home and had time, mm -hmm. I think, to get clarity, um, to take care of ourselves, maybe see the ways that we're not taking care of ourselves. A lot of the people I've been talking to, and I hope some of the, the listeners are taking that time to take care of yourself while you're in lockdown, while you're at home, while you're not able to go to events, concerts, and all the stuff that you normally would do is don't just worry and don't just try and be productive. I say this as much to myself as to anyone else because it's very difficult um, to take that break and, and replenish, but I think it's really important. We're all in a situation now where we have not done this before. Nobody in our lifetime has had to deal with this. So it's understandable if we don't quite know how to deal, if we don't quite know what the procedure is. And if, if it's if it's dragging on you, that's that's okay. Just figure out how to get yourself out of the funk because we need you. Mm -hmm. And reach out to someone if you're feeling that way because I, I know that it will get better and it ebbs and it flows. There's been times in lockdown because there's been so much we've been dealing with. Like you said, we've never as a, as a group of people gone through this, especially with the access to social media. So I think that's the difference, like the Spanish flu we've gone through it before not mm -hmm. us per se but we have social media now so we're connected to the world and especially seeing all the different violence and the protests that have gone on um in protest of anti-black violence uh, anti-black racism and police brutality and then just for me personally consuming all that being at home that had a whole mental health aspect and there's been a lot going on everything with the u.s politics that we've seen and how ugly things have gotten and the mean things people are saying and the really important issues that are on the table yes people have to try and take care of yourselves um we have to because there's just been so much that we're dealing with so i'm actually seeing how resilient we are. You can hear the, uh, there's a fire. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was on your end or mine. So I was kind Sending of- Sending a good thought. 
Yes, indeed, very much so. Uh, but and it's also like you said, the social media is. I have such mixed feelings about that. I feel <laughs> like there is potential there, so I don't want to be down on it. But we've all seen it get turned in a bad direction really quickly. But I just feel like part of what's going on now, we're talking about human trafficking and racism, and and we're seeing that the words you used before is we're I'm trying to remember exactly how you said it, that we're able to try and understand what somebody else is going through. We're, we're exposing ourselves to someone else's words. I'm not, I'm not getting your words right, but th that's the idea that I, I grabbed onto. Yes. We just now have the chance to do that because the internet that kind of started 30, 40 years ago is we, we've used it long enough that we're saying, I, I recognize I don't see this. I recognize I have a blind spot in my life. There's a way I can reach out to somebody who doesn't have that blind spot and who can fill me in. Oh, and I totally. think it's, we're just now figuring out how to have that conversation. We're how having that conversation a conversation and the yeah. extra layer of the responsibility you want to have to make sure you find a source that is reputable um, because there's so much more access on the internet. It's not, I always say as an actor, I feel so lucky that we have the internet because when you want to learn about something, you might be playing a Marine and you're going to find out about Marines and you're going to get really inspired by seeing the procedure to become one. Or on uh, Goodwitch, I play a heart surgeon, a cardiothoracic surgeon, and I'm the type of actor that I want to know everything about that person's life. So watching live heart surgery, seeing the, the training and the wealth of knowledge that real heart surgeons in real life have gave me a huge respect and huge perspective for that field. And then also on the flip side, seeing the families who have loved ones, especially children. Um, in the show, I, I perform a surgery on a, on a child, a heart surgery on a child. And I wanted to know what, what's that like for the families? What's that process like? And it's massive. And just seeing the resilience of people and the love families have when they're, when they're coming together to, to be with a loved one who's going into that serious surgery, that's the huge gift of the internet. Because before you would have your encyclopedias and you would read it and it would be, but there's something about seeing families talking about what it was like for their 10 year old kid to get a heart transplant. Um, that's very exciting. The flip side of it is I don't know if you've done any digging into Cambridge Analytica or what all of that, uh, situation is, but there's a lot of stuff going on on the internet that is um, really new because there's a, there's a phone, a mini computer in everyone's hand and not just developed wealthy Western nations, but everywhere because of the lack of banking institutions, everywhere has a phone. So uh, you look into even in developing nations and hear how uh, social media has been used to shape our perspectives, our political viewpoints, our opinions about other human beings. Um, and how to galvanize sometimes negative uh, viewpoints, that's the part that scares me. Mm -hmm. I, I originally was very ambitious because I realized, you know, I saw that we had this opportunity starting about 10 years ago that if a war started, we finally had the chance that the people in one country could talk directly to the people in the other country, not through the governments, not through the media, person to person and say, What's going on? Why are you upset? What, what needs to be solved? And I thought that was a great thing. And then social media came like five minutes later and it put another useless barrier where there didn't need to be one. Yeah, and the way that things are edited and contextualized, I think context is so important. 
Um, and it's really easy to go down the rabbit hole. Like when I was saying earlier, how much I love documentaries, I'll just get sucked in. I'll watch one on the Spanish flu uh, of in 1918. And then I go and I go and I go, and then I'm in the rabbit hole. And then four, it's four hours later. And then I'm in um, Killers of the Edwardian Home. <laughs> like, I don't know how I got there, but I'm, I'm in, I wanna know. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I think is scary because it, that's the way that the much smarter than me people who are in Silicon Valley who create the algorithms, they hook you. So your worldview, it's very easy for your worldview to be skewed when you watch one video and you say, I want to know about this conspiracy. And then you're fed six more documentaries about that. And then not, maybe you started off in a really reputable source and now you're down maybe like in the dark web and you don't know what you're watching. You got to watch, you got to see what that is and just make sure that step away and take care yeah. of yourself. Yeah, learning how to actually think, ask yourself, where did this information come from and how much can I trust them will save you so much headache and so much not unproductive anger. There's productive anger and there's very unproductive anger. Know which one you have. Yes. And save your energy for fights online, even going from something as important as worldview, life, belief systems, and politics to fandoms. People online now, there's really a climate of fighting online, saying nasty things. So that's one thing because we haven't been out in the world with humans as much uh, in the past year that I want to always keep in mind. There's a human behind that screen. And even if there isn't, just what you put out there can last forever. So being careful about what you say. And, and that's, I think, really, really important. Even if it's something that feels trivial, like your favorite show, the creators of that show, the, the people who wrote it, the ones who poured their blood, mm -hmm. sweat and tears into it might see it. Um, and then even something uh, as trivial as the recent Meghan Markle and Harry interview where people are debating whether or not it was true that she had a suicide attempt who cares about that? Um, mm -hmm. But the main thing is that there are people in your life who might be thinking about it. So mm -hmm. disparaging it online, every time I see someone disparaging those claims online, it makes me so sad because I'm like, she's never going to see that. But the people in your life who might be contemplating it or feeling sad or alone or isolated will. Um, so a little bit more kindness could probably help us all. Yeah. And, and I, it's usually not wasted. There's very few cases where you regret being kind to somebody. You might think it went, you might think it wasted on them. Fair <laughs> enough. But in general, it pays off. <laughs> totally. You might have one of those awkward situations. You know, you cross somebody and you, you put that kindness out there and it, it gets missed and you feel a little silly and awkward. That's okay. I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I usually will just kind of wash off my hands and say, that's, it's not my problem. If you're having a bad day, because of something in your own head, that's literally not my problem. Mm. And in the pre-mask times, or if you're out in the world and you're six feet apart and you don't have masks on, sometimes you smile at someone and they don't smile back. And then you start to feel foolish and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you, I right away remember all oh, those times where someone smiled at me and we just passed too quickly and I didn't get a chance to smile back. So it all comes back. The energy doesn't die. So mm -hmm. that's what I try to remember it, when I do it that. Cannot be created nor destroyed. That's it. So again, uh, you're working on this. Uh, are you at a point now where you can tell me when Gone could be public? No, I can't tell. Okay, that's All fair. All I can tell you is that we're developing and um, have partnered with some exciting people for it. So that's good. I, 
that's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. I, like I said, I, I don't want to push somebody to give details they can't, but I'm very, All the good very interested. <laughs> uh, so are there any, I'm not going to ask if there's projects you're working on after that. Are there any projects you would like to work on at some point with the creative energy that you're building up now? Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so many. So there's some things, yeah, coming out that I can't talk about. Uh, the lovely world of actors, you sign contracts and you can't reveal what's coming up. So there are some really exciting things coming out. Um, and then for my own show, for Gone, um, there's a few different networkers and streamers that we're looking at. So that's why I said, hold a good thought, because I'm a big believer in not forcing anything and that you'll make those right partnerships. It was all about finding the right home um for the series so that's exciting that's one thing that i'm manifesting and then in terms of dream people to work with there's so many there's so many great creators in the world now and amazing writers um that you see and it's not even necessarily wanting to work with but being inspired by i'm uh a physical actor i just wrapped a feature in december of film and i got to do my own stunts so that's exciting that i can talk about that will be coming out this year um, very excited about that. I just saw the first edit of it and it's, it's good. It's really, really good. And, um, so being a physical actor, I'm excited about, uh, what the Marvel universe is doing. I'm glad they're remaking Blade and they're going to do it with Mahershala Ali, who's a fantastic actor. So I would love to be in a physical active role like that. That was one of my favorite video games of all time. I don't know if anyone listening or watching ever played the Blade video game. It was so good. Um, so that is really great. I'm also really endlessly inspired by all of the different women that you see getting behind the camera mm -hmm. and telling their stories. Nomadland was really, really great. Um, One Night in Miami was wonderful. And then a movie called Promising Young Woman, which is very inspiring because the writer, Emerald Fennell, and the director, she wrote and directed it, is also an actor. So anyone who's watched The Crown, the recent season of The Crown, she plays Camilla Parker Bowles in the show. So to see that is what really inspires me, a working actor who's performing wonderful roles but also in her spare time I guess I think she's a mom too writing scripts and directing and was recently announced uh, as a best director nominee for the Academy Award so those are the people in the world that I see and it's exciting it's really nice to see um, all the different wonderful projects going out so that's what I'm manifesting connecting with creators like that telling those kind of stories and getting to step into bigger roles that are action driven female protagonists different worldviews, um things we haven't seen all of that love it giving fate a chance to intervene is the way i like to think of it Ooh, i'm writing that down that's nice i can't take credit for that uh there's a podcaster a very old school one by the name of dan carlin who says that quite a bit so you know what? I'm going to write both of your names here because that was very legit of you not to claim that credit. So sure. Well, thank you. Thank your you. name as the one I heard it from, but Dan Carlin is the original one. Yeah. Uh, he he attributed to his grandmother who would basically just say, you know, you got to do stuff. And because if you don't do stuff, nothing happens. If you do stuff, something happens. So you do oh, stuff no. and hope fate intervenes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the most beautiful part that I hope every single person in the world and everyone listening uh, and that's a good reminder for myself too, is to do stuff. Because sometimes you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes you can't see. 
I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine. Uh, one of my jobs pre-acting was at Mac Cosmetics. We used to uh, creative jobs. When you look at your life, you will see all the different ways your creativity, at least for me, needed to get out. But she's blown up a lot. She's an influencer on TikTok now, and I'm a working actor. I have my own studio. I'm creating this series. And we were talking the other night about what ourselves five years ago would have thought about where we are now. And it's a really good reminder because there was a lot of times along that journey where I would be putting in the work and not necessarily see how it was gonna pay off or how I was going to get a reward. I was just really excited about the work, really excited about scripts, really excited about the shows that shoot here. And then later, I guess that's the whole thing about uh, Dan's grandmother, what she was saying is you do your work and then it gives fate a chance to intervene because you have to do your part and then that energy gets out in the universe and, and then the you'll get a, a like an alley-oop, right? The universe will say, okay, I see you. I see you. I see what you're doing. I'm going to throw you, throw you something. And what you learn along the way is really great too. Like as you're writing, your first stuff might not be what gets out there, but you become better and you get good ideas. Um, Aaron Sorkin was on the uh, Hollywood Reporter Roundtable the other day. If anyone listening is a writer, watch it because the way he talks about his process and how he... Um, became a writer when he was just writing plays, just writing plays in New York and the fate that had to intervene in order for him to get the deal to make a few good men for film is 100% what you might call chance, but he doesn't really frame it that way um, because you know that when you're doing your part, at least I believe the universe is gonna step in and say, okay, I see you, you're doing your part, you're having faith, you're, you're staying positive. I'm gonna throw you, um, I'm gonna throw you this bone. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, a minute or two ago when you were talking, I just felt the need. I had to reach down because when you say Blade was a great video game, I'm like, I don't remember that. And that's odd for me. I had to look it up. And now that I may have to reach out and find that 15-year-old, 20-year-old game because you're recommending it for me. It's a really, really good game. So in my previous life, when I had lots of time uh, to play video games, it's really bad now, Aaron, because I suck at video games now. Oh, I get I'm it. Not, I'm not good at it anymore, which blows because my partner's really good. And I just, I'm so competitive, Sagittarius. Uh, and it just sucks because I, I've lost, I think, almost every time we've played basketball recently. But sure. you've got to play. If you can get your hands on, on Blade, play it. It's so fun. Well, I, I look, it's a PlayStation 1 game, correct? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not the one yeah. I played. Not PlayStation 1, I don't think. Okay. Um, um, I can't remember though, but what I love about it is, um, and another game that's even like, people don't talk about that much. The Godfather game is very good. I like a game. I've heard that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I like a game with a character and levels and there's a story. Like I'm not mm -hmm. the one that clicks past the story to shoot stuff. I want to know the story. Why am I here? What do I need to do? I recently, um, played a couple of roles in the Far Cry game, Far Cry six that came out and, uh, it was so fun. It was such a full circle moment to be in the studio creating characters for a video game because I used to love video games so much. So creating the backstory for the characters that I play was so fun because whether it was Grand Theft Auto, The Godfather, Scarface, um, Bond. Oh my gosh, James Bond had so many good games. Did you play GoldenEye Rogue Agent? Best game of all time, I think. No, not the N64 game, Rogue Agent. What's he doing? It is that the one where they introduce the golden gun? No, that is the one where you actually play as the villain. Oh no, I never played that one. It's odd. Oh. I was talking about this on the last episode. Um, it was on GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. 
Oh, I must have played. Who are the who's the villain you get to play? Uh, Do you get to choose? You get to choose. You you start out as a a character uh, who is basically he's called Goldeneye. And there's super thug, and then there's that one scary woman. I don't remember the scary woman, Um, but uh, you're basically the go-between in a gang war between Doctor No and Goldfinger. I love this game. I love the story. I love everything about it. It was panned, but I can't recommend it strongly enough if you're telling me everything you're telling me right now. Oh my gosh, I've written it down. I can't believe I've never played it. GameCube. I think in my storage unit, I might still have GameCube. So I yeah. just need to get the game. Yeah. Get get it? Um, nice. You will love this game because it's it's not bad, but on any technical level, I think it was just compared unfavorably to the N64 game, which mm. is very so unfortunate good. because it, it stands on its own. And I like the idea of playing the villain. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, my, my favorite, you'll know right away because early on before you even get your powers, because you have this, you literally have a golden eye, which gives you powers. Um, you get to grab somebody and use them as a human shield, which is a total villain move. Totally. Oh my gosh. I remember when Nino Brown did that in New Jack City, the film, and I was just like, I hate, but I understand this guy. Okay, so I misspoke a minute ago. I said that uh, James Bond, um, Goldeneye for um, N64 is the best game of all time. That's just not true. That's not my favorite game of all time. Aaron, what is your favorite video game of all time? And then I will tell you what my actual favorite video game of all time. Of all time, not in the Bond universe, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Fair, super fair. One of my friends, Erica, she loves that game. Nice. Okay, so my favorite game of all time has to be Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Fair, I like that. It's such a good game. It was the first game I became truly obsessed with. I visited my grandparents that summer and you know, you had your memory card. Mm-hmm. Like this is like so long ago and you had your saved progress on it. And I, that's how important the game was to me. I flew to visit my grandparents with my, with my memory cards. I had to get those levels in when they went to bed. <laughs> I know that, that makes sense. I, I, I don't know. That was, I'm trying to remember the last time I flew. Um, there was a time, I think it was after 9-11. This is important. Um, I wanted to fly. I flew with my PS2. I don't, I, I, I had it in the original box. I put it, surrounded it with my clothes. So it was well protected. <laughs> I don't know what a PS2 is made out of, but apparently when it goes to security, it sends off the, this guy is trouble alarm. And I see like 10 people tear open my bag and hold up my PS2. In the Gary, they thought you were trying to smuggle something in under the guise. And you're like, no, I'm just a gamer. No, really, it's it's literally a PS2. You can open the box and look in it. That's all it is. But whatever it smelled like, looked like, whatever, just set off every alarm in the place. Spooky. That's a scary feeling. That's a very, mm-hmm. very scary feeling. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're, you're reminding me we're now that we're talking about games of so many fun times. Love it. And, and it, it, from what you're telling me of what you like already, I can see that you do get into it. You do enjoy the the backstory of what I call the art of video games. You're not just into getting the quick achievements, getting the quick dopamine rush. No. You actually like the experience. So Yep. Love it, love it, love it. That was what was great about the Godfather game is that it wasn't a single trajectory depending on what you did. Different stuff happened to your character. And I replayed the game from start to finish three different times to get different outcomes. So very exciting. I- and that's something that I've struggled to get people to recognize until fairly recently that there, there is an art to it. It should be taken seriously as a creative format because we're so used to linear stories and they don't have to be that way. Going oh my back to- gosh, totally. This past summer when I did the Far Cry game, 
the art of it is beautiful. So when you go in to do the game, they, they let you see all of the art ahead of time. They want you to see the character and they want you to see the world. So yeah, the story is the biggest part. Like Giancarlo Esposito plays the lead in the game and there's a revolution going on in this fictional Caribbean island um, in the game. And just the stakes are really, really high. It's very real. The character that you play goes through the journey and you get to see how you you play into the world it was such a fun game and knowing the backstory you had to you had to know what side you were on um because the two characters that i play are on different sides of the revolution that was the funnest part because i got the first role did it and then i get a call from my agent after that they wanted me to come back and then when i saw all the information in the email from ubisoft i was like wow okay so now i'm playing a character on the other side of the revolution so I got to play both sides and, and then you choose which side I guess is bad or evil. And then it was fun to play the, that role too. There's totally a story. And the people who make the games are so, so talented. Everything that goes into it, every detail is thought out. Nothing is overlooked. And the amount of performers and engineers that go into it, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Talking about the crossover between games and movies, um, we were talking about GoldenEye for the N64, and I remember when that game came out, which is now like mid-90s, I loved the movie, first of all. Oh, yeah. And, and the movie actually came out several years before the game, and there was this hype that they actually went to the sets of the movie to design the levels so they'd be totally accurate to the movie, which was really new at the time. And I, I remember that. Yeah, I, I played the game and then watched the movie again, and it's like, I know what's behind that wall. I know what's oh, under yeah. that desk. Totally. Yes. I remember that perfectly now. Yes. Watching it. I played the game. And then after, yes, watched the movie again. And I was like, totally, this all connects. It's a beautiful game. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And now that's that feeling is almost passe because you expect that. But it melted my brain that they could recreate everything in this tiny little cartridge and I could walk around. It was like almost like a holodeck, basically. Oh, totally. And all the characters were so like the villains in the game were legitimately scary. And if mm -hmm. you, as you played as Bond, you got in some really hairy, really scary situations. Um, a lot of the games that I played when I was super young, yeah, they would give me nightmares. You would be scared. But like, I knew the floorboards that would creak in the house that I could go and sneak the game because my, my mom would take the console so that we would sleep and not be cranky for school the next day. But I would try and like down the hallway and know which floorboards creaked so that I could get the game and just had to get another level. But those are legitimately spooky villains. That's why Bond is so awesome as a franchise. The villains are fully fleshed out, never one dimensional, and those are really scary people. Oof. Agreed. Oh, some more. I'm having a lot of fun. Me too. I, <laughs> Talking um, about my favorite stuff. I really should let you go because I know you've got a busy day. Um, but before I do, where can people find you and keep tabs on you? One of the best places to go is samorasmallwood.com. There's a contact there if you want to email me. I am on social media, Samora Gloria on Instagram, The Real Samora on Twitter. Um, I also have Facebook, and but the website's the best place that you can reach out. Yeah, and see updates about what's coming out. And of course, you can check out my IMDb page to see what I've worked on, different pictures from those productions. Um, a few of the credits are not up yet. Some of the secret stuff I told you that I will be coming out and is, of course, not on there yet. But yes, find me and don't hesitate to reach out. Um, some of the social medias have that strange little inbox that if you send a message, you don't receive the message in your inbox unless you're following the person. So the best thing is comment on a photo um, and let me know that you sent a message. Um, so I love to stay connected, especially with the Trek fans are some of the nicest, warmest, coolest people 
in the world. They really are. It's a great community. Well, yeah, thank you okay. so much for doing this. I really enjoy this. I would be glad to have you back anytime because I feel like there's a lot more we could get into if we yeah. have more time. Let's do it, Aaron. Let's do it. When the project comes out, we will talk. People will watch it. I'm excited. The film is, um, it's about gaslighting if anyone's into that kind of stuff and and one person's uh, try to break out of the clutches of a very nefarious person um, who comes into her life and she thinks is a good person. And a lot of people I think can relate to, to that. So maybe we will chat again when it comes out. I would love to hear what fans think about that if they've ever experienced it. And if at any point during the film, they are thinking, okay, red flag, red flag, get out of there. I'm going to be watching for that. And as soon as I see some sort of release or announcement, you will definitely have me in your inbox. Nice. Thank you, Aaron. You're the best. Take good care. Bye. You too. I would like to thank Samora for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, I just want to go back to basics. If you would like to help bring this show to more people, and I really do appreciate that thought because I appreciate the community that we've already built here, the most helpful things you can do are, number one, whatever platform you're listening to this show on, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, hit the subscribe button so that you get automatically notified when there's a new episode. Believe it or not, that is a great driver in how many people see the show. If you have a platform that you like, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, leave a review there, both a star review and actually mention what you like about the show, and this really helps. List a favorite episode. Recommend an episode to a new reader. You could reach me at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. And we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.